Hey, I'm Sean. And I'm Sarah. And, and we're, we're the Stevensons. Stevenson. I'm a pastor to kids. And I'm dreading cleaning out another children's ministry closet. And this, this is the Kidman Creatives Podcast. So today on the podcast, we're getting a little personal and we're going to uh-oh, we're going to talk a little bit about us and one of the things that we have gone through in the midst of doing children's ministry is ministry transitions. I think ministry transitions are one of the most difficult aspects of ministry that no one talks about. Mm-hmm. Literally, like there are hardly any books, there's hardly any information about ministry transitions. Like people just do not talk about this. Even in seminary and Bible college, like there's no class on how to transition from one church to another church. And I think part of that is because often lead pastors tend to be the focus of those sorts of places, and they often get more of a focus in, you know, they stay a longer time at a church than typically a children's pastor or a youth pastor who often do not stay as long at a single church. And so because of that, there's just not as much information yet about ministry transitions and like what are good ways to do them, what are ways that you can you know make those transitions a healthy thing. We've been part of really good transitions, and so we wanted to talk about a couple of those with you. So recently, we actually moved across the country. So far. <laughs> <laughs> we moved across the country to Twice. our church. Yeah. talk about Oh, yeah. So we will talk about my two cross-country trips that I drove. (laughs) But we moved across the country to take a children's ministry position at a church, and we are loving it. We are loving being here, even amidst the coronavirus pandemic. It's a great way to start a job. <laughs> yeah, you know, what? what's better than, you know, starting out at a new church with going right into quarantine? So, you know, that's been a good time. But we've been at large churches, we've been at medium-sized churches, and now we're at a smaller church, which I personally am enjoying a lot. And we'll talk more about those differences between large churches, medium-sized, and small churches in later episodes. Mm -hmm. But today, we really do want to talk about ministry transition. Because, like I said, it's not something that gets talked about. And so, I will say, the number one thing that happens in a ministry transition (laughs) is that first day you come into your new church and you're walking around, you kind of get the tour. Hopefully you've already had a tour, but that first day is when you finally actually do your own real tour to go look at everything. Opening the closets. Yes, opening (laughs) the closets because every church has them. These random children's ministry closets and resource I, room <laughs> and sometimes a resource room and then sometimes an outdoor shed or sometimes a storage unit and sometimes you know they have like these attics one church we worked at had all these different attics where they stored all the children's ministry materials so they called them the scary attic and the very scary attic and the really very scary attic and so There were all these different places that all the different children's ministry things were stored. So when you were looking for certain things, you had to be like, okay, wait, which attic was that in? I don't really remember. (laughs) But one of the first things that always happens when you come to a new church is you open up those closet doors and you take a look. And sometimes you can tell, oh, my previous like predecessor like took care of things in a very organized way. Mm -mm. But more often than not... (laughs) Things are sometimes a little... uh... We all know children's ministry. (laughs) We are flying by the seat of our pants. (laughs) Sometimes, you know, it's a little disorganized in that resource closet and you got to do a little bit of organization. But so we have cleaned out... I don't know. How many closets have we cleaned out at this point in our ministry careers? Um, Probably some... Well, but then multiple closets at some places. Uh, Yeah, true. Uh, At least 10. I don't know. Yeah, probably 10 closets. (laughs) So, Sarah, as we start this off, we'll start this off on the lighter note of closet cleaning at a church. My fave. (laughs) But what are some of the weirdest things that we found while cleaning out the closets at churches? That's a really good question. I feel like, well, there's several. (laughs) 
Every closet has its own unique thing. You kind of take stock. You're like, is stuff falling out of the closet onto you? Sometimes you have to like pull it all out and it's crazy. Sometimes you find critters that have made homes that, in all the costumes. That happens everywhere we've been. We've found other guests that are unwanted <laughs> in the in the manger. Um, the so, kind of visitors you don't want coming to your church mm-hmm. of the furry kind. Yeah, which reminds me of like when I, I was a pastor's kid and we had these little books called like Christopher Church Mouse. <laughs> and I always have thought that's the strangest thing because when you encounter Christopher Church Mouse in the wild, it's not... <laughs> not the same but anyway i digress the weirdest thing i think i uh, well at our current church (laughs) we um we pulled out this thing it was um this there's this big box uh, unlabeled as per usual and it was just like very colorful like fabric in a big old wad and we were like what is this and we noticed it had a plug so Sean, being the the genius of this operation, he was I like, "Doubt that he highly." He was like, "I think this is an inflatable." And so we're inside our church, and we start plugging this thing in, and it's just one part inflates, and then another part inflates, and another part inflates, and it is massive, and it finally it's filling up the entire like storage room that we have it in. Yeah. And it finally opens up, and it's this gigantic inflatable manger scene. <laughs> so, and now this is coming full circle. As it is inflating out of the corner well, of Well, the my, moment it was all inflated, and we're like, oh, wow. A beautiful manger scene. And then out of the corner of my eye, I see movement. And this is a late night <laughs> adventure at church there's like you know we're just cleaning like crazy there's no one else there except for a mouse (laughs) well so first sarah looks over and she says i saw something i saw a mouse and i didn't believe i will admit he didn't believe me i confess i did not believe at first because i thought oh no (laughs) there's no mouse it's probably just you know we're in a new building with like creaky sounds that we're not used to so that's got to be all it is Mm. and so then she was convinced oh no there was a mouse so i decided okay well let's find out so she had thought it went into one of the sunday school rooms so we went over to that sunday school room and at this point we had already filled this sunday school room with all of our stuff that we had brought from (laughs) our previous ministry things that we owned in our ministry lives which yeah, we, we have a few have a props collection. and costumes that we personally own, so we brought them with us. So we had them in this room, and so we have, as strange as this sounds, I have a DC Talk um, platinum record framed. It's very special. <laughs> and so I had it in my prop collection, and so we put it in front of the doorway to kind of block it, and I stepped in, and I was kind of like looking around, still kind of thinking, oh, there's no mouse. This is not happening. And so as we're looking around, Mm -hmm. all of a sudden, she sees it again. You saw it, and you (laughs) were like, there it is! I was like, it's back! (laughs) And I didn't see it. So I'm like still thinking, oh, this is probably just like air moving. It's not real. It's of my imagination. (laughs) We know. And so then finally, I turned around and I'm like slowly pulling back the costumes on the costume rack and then I do finally see this mouse that runs across the room and so I will spare you all the details but after I think 45 minutes we finally (laughs) cornered it and caught it and I will just say took care of it (laughs) so then from then on we were thinking okay well Let's go back to cleaning and going to look at our beautiful manger scene that's still inflated across the room (laughs) after, you know, an hour of mousecapades. So that was a very, very long story to say. I think the weird, one of the weirdest things with that inflatable manger scene. I also would say um, at one church we found a clown kit. An entire one. It was like legit. It had like the rubber chicken. It had like a gigantic comb and toothbrush. It had a big huge feet. Like shoes. Yes, the huge feet. (laughs) And it had like a little like horn, you know, like a bike horn. Oh yeah, the bike horn. It was legit. Um, And we also found handcuffs. We found an entire box of handcuffs. And we were like, I don't know what what kind of... (laughs) 
like activity they were doing, but we're going to get rid of these. We're not going to keep them. Yeah. So our rule of thumb is, you know, in your first few weeks, months on the job, you know, just, just, it's a good time to purge and people will life love you anyway. <laughs> well, because sometimes when you go into that new church, you look around that closet of things and you're like, okay, there's some cool stuff here that we can definitely use. Like at our current church, I was going through and I found an entire like replica of the tabernacle. And I thought, oh, this is awesome. And so I was able to use that when we were talking about the Pentateuch and we went through the tabernacle and talked about it and we were able to use that as an object lesson. So I was like okay this is super cool but then other things you find you're just like i don't know what this is i don't know what it was used for and people have different kinds of treasure that they <laughs> hold on to to use for different object lessons that are only in their own head and so that is perfectly fine i will just tell you you have things like that too in your church right now i'm sure i know i do probably people came through and looked at all my props they'd be like what is this? Oh, I'm sure. What is this random plastic flower? And I would tell them that's my hyssop that I use when I talk about the Passover, okay. and I hold it up. But other people might think, "What is this?" Junk. Or, or <laughs> the wooden dagger that I have that's what? like this really like very flames. rounded wooden dagger that has flames on the bottom that I found at a thrift store, and it's definitely my flaming sword for the story of the Garden of Eden and Adam and Eve oh, leaving the garden. I've always wondered what that was. That's for. what it's for. Oh, I didn't wow. know that purpose. <laughs> So, so, you know, there are fun things about starting in a new church. And I think exploring those first few days is always one of the fun things. Just kind of looking around, taking stock of what's there. And I think that's an important thing to do as you go into a ministry transition. So, Sean, what are some of the most important conversations to have when you're starting a new ministry? I know you're, like, meeting a lot of people and, you know, you have your volunteers and the church staff and just who who should you talk to and tell us more about that yeah i think one of the important conversations you should have as you start at a new church and hopefully you've already started having some of these it really depends, first of all, on your structure. So if you have a, you know, a smaller church where you have a lead pastor you're reporting to, or if you're in a larger church, maybe there's a family pastor or a next generation pastor you report to, or, or an executive pastor, or even a discipleship pastor, whoever it is that's pastors. in that role that you report to, that is a person you need to have conversations with. And even having those conversations and sitting down with them and just saying like, hey, can you tell me more about the things that have happened here? What are things that are in this church's history? Because so often it's helpful to know what has gone on in the church. Like what are the wins that this church has had in the past five years? That's one of my favorite questions to ask and just find out what are like the awesome highlight moments from the past five years? You know, and then what are like some of the struggles that this church has been, whether financial or just going through a tough season or whatever it is, you know, even ministry conflict, just kind of knowing about some of those things, I think is very helpful in going forward and knowing what steps should you be taking as you're coming into this new position. The other key, key, key conversations that need to happen for a children's pastor is with your youth pastor. And we'll have another episode down the road where we talk more in depth about the youth pastor, children's pastor relationship. But it is so important to know your youth pastor, to have those conversations with that person, and to really be able to have like a really good working relationship with them. Because you have, between you and the youth pastor, one of the most crucial transitions in the church from either that fifth grade to sixth grade, or if it's sixth grade to seventh grade, or however you break that, that transition up. That transition from children's ministry to the youth ministry is one of the most important ones in your church. And so thinking that through and being on the same page as your youth pastor is so important. 
I always like to talk to a youth pastor about what is your vision? What are you looking for? Like, what are you hoping that when the kids leave the children's ministry, when they come to you, like, what are you hoping for in that student? And so having those conversations are really important. And then the third one, and I'm not necessarily saying these in any particular order, but the third important conversation is actually a bunch of conversations with all of your team, whoever that is. If it's volunteers, if there's paid staff, if there's people that you have, like if you have a like a, a, a secretary or like a person who works on doing maybe logistics stuff for your children's ministry, those are key people to talk to. You need to know what are they about? What are the things they're excited about? What are the things they like doing in children's ministry? What are the things they don't like doing? Because one of the things you'll often find, especially in a transition, is there are volunteers who have stepped into different roles to take over during the time between the previous children's pastor and the current one. And a lot of times those volunteers have taken on roles that they feel stuck in and they don't want to continue doing and they want to go back to doing something else. And so having conversations with them is so crucial because sometimes they won't even tell you that they want to move to a different thing or they want to go back to something else because they feel like, oh, I I don't know, maybe I'm supposed to do this. Maybe this new pastor wants me to. Or they don't want to let down the new pastor or... Yeah, like they don't want to let you down. They don't want you to think, oh, I'm just skipping out on, you know, my my volunteer role. That's not the thing. I think that's a really, really crucial conversation to have. I think one of the other things that often children's pastors coming in don't account for, and this happens to any, really, any role in ministry, is volunteers will often leave after a new person steps in. It happens all the time. A volunteer will say, hey, you know what? This has been fun, but I've been doing this for 12 years and yeah. I'm kind of tired and this is the break yep. that I think I could do Do this, you know, step away from this now instead of staying on. And so that is one of the things that does happen. There often is a transition between volunteers and that can be really difficult and it can be a really hard thing, especially as a new children's pastor, when you don't know a lot of people in your church and all of a sudden all these volunteers are kind of doing a mass exodus because they're, they're tired or they're just, they're in a different way of leadership they like, or they just want something different in leadership. And it's not saying that you're bad or you aren't what they wanted. Sometimes people don't even realize that, oh, I just really connect with this kind of leader a little better. Mm. Some volunteers also want to move up to other things. They want to go do a different ministry altogether. And this is the opportunity for them to make that transition. Yeah, it's kind of a natural break in the like, I, I think for volunteers, it's a natural kind of break in the flow of things to be like, okay, this ministry, we got them through the interim while there was no one here. Now I can maybe breathe a little bit and this new person's here. They're going to recruit other people. Like I can now step away. So I don't, I would say don't take it personally because it is just a really natural time for people to start thinking about like, oh, do I still fit here? Like, maybe they're volunteering because their kids are there and their kids are older now. So, you know, it's just, it's a very natural time for people to be thinking about transitioning out of the ministry themselves. So, um, Sean, the other thing I was curious is, you know, when you first get started, how do you introduce yourself to the kids? Because, you know, that's, um, (laughs) you know, those are your, that's your congregation, um, and hopefully, hopefully they'll have met you in the interview process at some point. But what do you do to like help them help kind of break the ice and help them get to know you? Yeah, I think this is also one of those things no one talks about. Uh-uh. It's it's kind of hard on kids to have a transition from an old children's pastor to a new one. And it's a difficult transition for them to make. And sometimes, especially in that first period of time, as the kids are getting to know you, they might often talk about that previous children's pastor. And they might say things like, well, that children's pastor did this, or pastor so-and-so always did this, or pastor so-and-so did this activity. And you will hear from the kids a lot about that. And I would say, first of all, don't get down or discouraged 
when you hear those kinds of conversations, they're not necessarily comparing you to that children's pastor. For some of those kids, that children's pastor before you may be the only one they've ever known. They may not have known another one, and so they may not have, you know, a whole, like, ability to compare you and contrast you. That's just what they've known, and they don't know you yet, necessarily. And so getting to know the kids is so crucial. I think coming in and starting to do your routine with keeping as much as possible of what has been happening is so crucial mm. because you want to keep those same routines. You don't want to just always come into a situation and be like, all right, I'm changing everything. I'm going to throw it all to, you know, to the garbage pile and be like, let's start over. Unless it's clown feet. Throw away <laughs> the clown feet. <laughs> throw away the clown feet. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. Uh, I mean, unless you like doing clowning, but I will just say, I think a lot of kids get a little scared of it nowadays, but that's neither here nor there. But I would say get to know the kids by trying to do some get to know you kind of activities the first few weeks you're there, you know, do a lot of name, like asking their names and their favorite ice cream and their favorite animal and just listen to the kids. I've, I've found that when you listen to kids, they so often immediately kind of start to like really see you as a person who cares about you. Mm -hmm. And if you sit and take time to hear all their stories about all the different things going on in their life, they are going to see you as a person who cares about them and they'll listen, you know, and they'll be there for you and engage the more that you engage with them. And so introducing yourself through maybe get to know you activities talk about you know your life talk tell them a little bit about here's like my story of how I came to know Jesus or here's like some of my favorite things to do and just share little bits and pieces about who you are with the kids and that's going to go a long way to helping them get to know you and ease that transition and they they might talk about that previous children's pastor for a while and that's okay let them talk about that previous person you know because that person meant a lot to them yeah. for whatever reason and for whatever reason they left that that person still meant a lot to those kids and so you want to be able to have good conversations about the previous person never put that person down in front of the kids don't ever talk about them negatively even if they did yeah. something that you're like eh, I probably wouldn't have done that don't say that stuff to the kids no. because that person to them was important and you don't want to be the person that tarnishes that view of the person that they learned about who God is from. So, Sarah, another thing, as you do ministry transition, one of the hard things it seems like is as a ministry spouse, like there's sometimes challenges. Like what are some challenges that you faced in ministry transition and what advice would you give on navigating that season for a ministry spouse? You know ask me tough questions. I didn't know this was on the, the docket. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, well, a couple things. I mean, as a, as a pastor spouse, um, it's, it's really good to find out before you move to this new church, what their expectations are of, of the, tr the pastor's Ooh. family. Yeah. And to think really carefully about fit and whether or not what they expect, and sometimes they don't even realize they have expectations. That's so true. Um, whether or not that works for you. So, like, in our situation, like, I work full-time, and I am happy to serve as a volunteer, but I am not on the payroll and do not work there. So, I have, you know, some boundaries. Um, it's a really important thing for me. And um, I was pretty clear about that even when we were candidating because it was both of us coming out here to candidate. Um, but I was like, I'm not the person ultimately that's candidating here. It's Sean. He's going to be your children's pastor. So like, yes, like it's important to make sure I'm not like, you know, going to go off the rails, but <laughs> like, I don't, I'm not going to come into the office and work, you know, during the day. Anyway. So I think that's one of the biggest things is managing expectations. Mm. Um, and, and a church staff can say they don't have expectations, but then you might find out, oh, people do though. <laughs> so um, I think trying to listen a lot and kind of hear people. Um, the other thing I would say is figuring out like 
give like giving yourself space to get to know people Mm. um in children's ministry especially it's really hard to get to know adults in your church (laughs) um because often children's ministry programs are happening simultaneously with adult ministries so for me i usually um i usually have kind of taken a break from children's ministry when i first arrive at a church and go to the the adult worship services i go to women's ministry events when they're there um you know, I try to connect with adults and parents often are the ones that I naturally connect with because they're the ones who, you know, we have a connection because of, you know, their child being in children's ministry. So they often will be like, oh, you're the new children's pastor's wife. Like, let's talk. I want to get to know you. So um, I think give yourself time to figure out like the church on your own and, and kind of carve out your own identity there and, um, and, and figure out you know, where you want to serve too. You may not decide to serve in children's ministry and that's perfectly okay. For me, it just happens to be a really good fit for me to participate and use my gifting in that area and to support Sean and kind of do that together. Um, But, you know, that may not be your situation or your spouse's situation. So um, just something I think to think about is like that, giving yourself some grace and space to get to know people and um, think about where you want to get involved in your new context for sure. Um, The other thing I would say is like moving away from um, your, this is something that's not talked about a lot, but in, in pastoral transitions, you often are moving away from an established support network. Mm. And so that can be really challenging. And I don't really have any solutions for that. Um, but I think it's just something to be aware of if you're thinking about transitioning. Um, you know, think about what does your family, you know, if you have kids or um, if it's just you and your spouse, like what does your family need to... Um, to make that transition in a healthy way for all of you. You know, what supports do you need to make sure you put in place in your life um, so that that can be a really um, good transition? Well, yeah, another thing about that, Sarah, I was just thinking about as you were talking is like friendships. I think especially like if you transition a church to another church that's in the general area where you already live, that's like a different sort of situation than if you're like going to a different state like we moved across the country and when we moved we didn't we didn't know anyone aside from the pastor that we had met and the <laughs> the worship team pastor and our office uh, manager and youth pastor so we didn't really know anybody else and even then we were just getting to know them and so when we came to this state we just were totally like wow we're in a new place and we know nothing <laughs> <laughs> we don't know anything really about the place and we don't have that support network like Sarah you were talking about and i think the thing too is like recognizing when you go to a new church it is going to take you a while to make friends yeah like it just takes a while especially in a church i well at, not especially i think in large and small churches yeah. They have different things. Larger churches, often there are just so many people. You're kind of like, who do I who do I meet? Who do I talk to? Like, I talked to this person this week, but I haven't seen them in three weeks because I don't know what service they go to. And then in a smaller church, a lot of times people have a lot of established friendships. And so it's kind of wondering, well, did this person need a friend? I don't know. And so it's a, it can be a slow process to getting to know people. And I think giving yourself grace in that transition to say, okay, we're going to give ourselves grace in the not having to, you know, think, oh, we need all these good friends right now. Mm-hmm. Like that slowly builds over time. Unless you're just a person who makes friends like super fast. And some people who do. <laughs> <laughs> Come teach us your ways because... <laughs> We're a little more like the slower, like, you know, get to know people over time people. And you may be like that. You might be a person who just jumps right in and you people suddenly are your best friends and you're awesome. So (laughs) I think that's great. But just give yourself grace if that is a slower like struggle for you to get to know people, like give yourself the time to get to know people. Yes, and I uh, one thing I was going to say uh, in, in addition to that is, you know, if you're transitioning from another church to a new church, 
Um, at least for me, I don't know, Sean, if it's helpful for you too, but like it is helpful to give yourself some space from your previous church. Um, it's really hard to do that in this very connected world that mm. we're in. But um, for the sake of the people in that ministry that you left and also the group that you're trying to get to know, you want to be able to focus on the new people that you're getting to know. So um, figuring out a way to like balance that is really helpful. Well, yeah, and I think social media has made that much more difficult than even 10 years ago. Oh, yeah. 10 years ago, if you moved to a different state, you know, it was kind of like, unless you wrote letters to each other or emails, you didn't really keep in close contact with people from a previous church. Nowadays, with social media, you know, everyone is kind of still connected. And I think that is one of the hardest things because we... We have left churches and we've left people that we love, people that we just really were friends with, people that we really enjoyed doing ministry with, people that I still wish I could do some ministry with. Like if I could move all of them here and be like, let's all do children's ministry together and join with the awesome new people that I've met too. Like that would be to me dream, but that's a dream. It's not reality. And so saying goodbye to especially the kids that you have been with and, you know, making that a good transition as you leave a church to go to a new church, setting up that next person coming after you in a good way is super important. You know, being able to say goodbye to the kids, being able to help them process. One of my, one of the things I did when we left um, our church over there was we, we spend time going through the story of Elijah and Elisha. And that was like kind of the last Sunday we went through that story. And we talked about how Elijah's time was done and he passed on the job to the next person, Elisha. And Elisha went and started doing the job now. And so there was like this idea of this baton of leadership being passed to a new person. And I remember talking to the kids and saying, you know, I don't know who that person is yet. But I know that God is going to bring you the right person who's going to be able to teach you things that I wasn't able to teach you. Like I'm moving on to another group of kids that need to learn about Jesus and get to know Jesus. And someone's going to come here and help you get to know Jesus more. So helping those kids and those families make that transition is really important. And I think recognizing that you might be sad like it might be a difficult transition to make to say goodbye to these people that you care about because you do care about them but then also giving that space to let those families start to connect with that next person i think that's really important because you don't want to be usurping another children's pastor in another place yeah. by still being connected to families and by still, you know, offering advice. Or the worst is when people call and say, well, what do you think about this? Like this children's pastor is doing this. Mm-hmm. Like don't engage those conversations nope. because you want to support that person. You want to support the ministry they're doing, even if you've never met them and you don't know you haven't been there. You haven't seen it for yourself. You're only hearing one side of something. So you want to make sure that you support well those people. Yeah. So, I mean, these are, these are all like challenges, I would say. So maybe we should transition to some of the like things to think about and prioritize when you're starting out in a new place. Yeah. I think the, the biggest thing to prioritize is getting to know your church. Whatever church you're going to, you've got to get to know them. Because if you don't know this new church, your ministry will not be as effective. Especially, I would say, if you're going from a place like you're going from the Northeast to the Southwest. Like, that is a very different culture, even within the United States. We have a lot of different cultures that make up this country. And so there's a lot of different places that do things differently. And what may seem harsh in one place is actually friendly in another place. Like, for instance, there are places <laughs> in the United States that sarcasm works really great and people love it. And there are places where people will look at you and be like, wow, you're mean by saying something sarcastic to me. 
And so thinking through where are you from and where are you going and asking yourself, what is the context of this church? Is this a small church, a large church? Has this church been around for five years? Has this church been around for 55 years? Like, what's the history here? Getting to know the things that have happened in this church is really important. So that way, you know where you're at and what the next steps should be for you. I think the other thing, too, is getting to know the people Like, get to know the people. Go spend time having coffee with your volunteers. You know, get your family, start having them come over to your house. Get to know your the other staff you're working with. Just spend time getting to know the people. Get to know the kids that are in your ministry. Try and, like, schedule some events at the beginning of your time that allow you time to get to know them. You know, do, like, hangout-type nights where you can spend more time maybe getting to know the kids than even doing a program because that is going to be so important to get you getting to know the church. Yeah. The other thing I was thinking priority wise is I think we've said it a little bit, but like clean things out. (laughs) It's an, it's an opportunity for a fresh start and you will feel less weighed down if, if, if messes bother you, which they bother me. <laughs> um, you will feel less burdened if you start with that fresh, like, where are the adult-sized scissors? Like, I can't <laughs> find them. Like, this is a perennial problem. This is problem. a real problem. I'm, like, cutting out crafts with toddler scissors. Like, <laughs> I need my adult-sized scissors. So, you know, weird, weird things like that. Um, cleaning is a really important thing also because it helps you get to know um, the inner workings of your building <laughs> and what resources you maybe don't have. Yes, and what resources you already do have. I was finding here at this church we're at now, I was buying like cotton balls and some popsicle sticks. And then we recently did a reorganization <laughs> of all the supplies and we were like, we found oh, a treasure trove. <laughs> there's a huge box of popsicle sticks and bags of cotton balls. Why did I spend my budget buying those things? I wish I had known these were here. Yep. So it's kind of like take inventory of what you've got so you know what to invest in for your ministry area. The other thing, too, is get to know the vision of the church. I love asking a lead pastor, what does it look like to you to have a healthy children's ministry? And asking that question of your parents as well. I love asking parents, What do you hope to see in your kids as they come to children's ministry? Like, what do you hope happens? I think we don't often ask parents that question enough to find out what do they look for in children's ministry? What are they hoping in their for their kids? I think getting to know that vision is really important because, as the proverb says, where there is no vision, the people perish. (laughs) So it's important to know what is that vision that the church has, that the lead pastor has, You know, if there's even the church has like a strategy or like a mission statement, knowing those things and being able to say, okay, this is our mission. This is our vision. This is our strategy. How am I going to fit what we're doing in children's ministry into that? Or how am I going to change what we're doing to fit that? Because that vision is what you should follow as you go into that church and say, okay, Our vision is to, you know, love God, love people, create opportunities for people to hear the gospel. How are we going to do those things? Mm. I've been thinking, now that we've been talking, I've been thinking about that idea of doing inventory of the stuff. And I think the other thing to take inventory of is your overall, like, building situation Mm. and also, like, your policies, just on the practical side of things, kind of take inventory of what maybe needs upgrading and then make a priority list so that you have a plan for the future you may come in and have no budget um you (laughs) may come in and have a surprising budget that you're like whoa i have all these resources uh you don't i mean sometimes you know ahead of time but um making a plan for one thing is just really a good being a good steward um to have a plan for how you're going to going to uh up update and uh, maintain your ministry areas and your policies and that kind of thing. But it also just is helpful for you to prioritize your work. So it's not just a matter of doing your programming every week, but you also can kind of stay on top of some of these things that are really easy to forget about. 
Yeah, and I think especially, like, knowing your building, knowing, like, kind of looking through and being like, okay, what are the things that we need to do to maybe if there's an upgrade that needs to be made or if you look at something and you see, oh, wow, okay, I see how they were doing this before, like maybe transitioning the kids from this room to this room for this activity. But as you look at it, you think, oh, actually, it seems like it could be easier to do this in this room or, you know, whatever it is. You might look at a program and think, oh, we could tweak this to make it a little more efficient, to make it a little more fun, whatever it is. And then go and find out, okay, why do we do things the way that we do it right now? And asking volunteers those questions about, so why do we have the first graders start in this room and then they come to the big room while everyone else is in the big room already? Like what what was like the thinking behind that? Yeah. Because often what happens is sometimes there's a reason. Well, there's always usually a reason that it happened. Something happened or someone decided this would be a good way to do it. And so they set an idea in place and they started it going. And so, but then over time, people often forget why they do things. And sometimes people will say, well, actually, I have no idea. I thought we should all have the first graders in the big group the whole time. I don't know why we separate them out. And so you may discover those things, but you will only discover them as you ask questions and take a look and listen. Yeah, and if you ask questions rather than just being like, all right, blanket announcement, we're changing this. You will put people on the defensive if you challenge their systems, but if you ask good questions, that helps them to be sort of mentally prepared for like, oh, thinking about it and taking ownership of it, I would say. Yeah, because I think it's really important to get to know your volunteers and let your volunteers get to know you. You know, I will just say there's been a couple times I've made some mistakes when getting to know volunteers at the beginning because I did not allow them to get to know me. And so they decided to exit the ministry because they didn't understand a policy change or they thought, well, I don't know why we're doing this because I didn't explain it well. And so taking the time to listen, to explain, to have well thought out reasons why you're making a change, that's really important. I think the other thing, too, is asking your volunteers, what's your favorite thing about this ministry? Mm. What's your favorite thing that we do? What's your least favorite thing we do? (laughs) If you could get rid of something, what would you get rid of? (laughs) Yeah, those are really good questions to ask because you may discover that the program that you think, oh, I have to uphold this program, is actually something no one wants, everyone wishes would change, but no one's willing to say it. So (laughs) having those conversations is really, really important. Yeah. I think the other thing, too, is make a priority list. You know, look through and see what what is your priorities, you know, from triage items that maybe there's a safety issue or a security issue that's got to be addressed to, you know, okay, maybe we can upgrade the toys in the nursery room. You know, you can take a look at those things and decide, okay, what are what's my wish list of things I want to get done? What are the things that need to be done now? And then what are the things that can, can be done oh, later? Yeah, it's like the quadrants. Do you remember those? Like yes. Like urgent and important or um, not urgent but important, that kind of thing. You know, figure out what, what must be done absolutely now and what can, can wait a while. Yeah, I think that's a really important thing to think about. The Stephen Covey, you know, quadrants that they have, the like urgent and important, the not urgent but important, the, uh, what is it, the unimportant, unimportant, unimportant urgent, <laughs> and then the not important, not urgent. That's all of four. Whew. But those are so important to think about because there will be things that everyone makes really urgent and really important and you need to address this right now but there are things that are really important but not urgent that you've got to sit down and take care of i was just gonna say sometimes as you're on your listening tour uh especially if you have volunteers who've been around a long time they may use that opportunity to tell you this thing that absolutely must be changed now (laughs) and so i think listening carefully to what's being said hearing the heart behind it 
and taking notes and then going back and assessing what they're telling you is really important because sometimes you'll get conflicting information depending on who you talk to. So having some discernment as you go, you know, don't just be like, oh, well, they suggested it, so I'm just going to do it to please them and to, to make this change. It must be what's best because they're an expert. But like really like think about it and, and you know, talk to a lot of different people to kind of get a big picture of what's going on. Well, yeah, and especially for those volunteers that have been there a long time, they are most likely going to have some hobby horses, some things that they really care about and things that they think should happen in the ministry. And they may present those to you as that kind of, this is really important and this is really urgent. We need to be making sure that we are teaching kids about communion and they have something that they feel like this is just the most important thing we need to do right now. And listening carefully and saying, okay, that's a good thing and that's important, but maybe we'll start here or we can put that into here and find the way to help that volunteer, but also to assess whether it's something that actually needs to be done now. Because one of the important things is sitting with those things that are not urgent, but they're important. And I think a good example of that is policies. You know, looking at your looking at your policies for maybe a van ministry or looking at your policies for how you buy snacks. Some of those things may not seem urgent, but they are important. And you want to make sure you're aware of what those policies are so that way you can either maintain them or put them back in place or you know upgrade them if they need to be upgraded or whatever it is you want to know what those policies are and sit with those things so there are those things that are important but they're not necessarily urgent and they won't be tapping tapping on your shoulder to say <laughs> hey i need you to work on this but they are lurking in the background something that you need to do and something you need to focus on so those are really important i think the other thing too with all this is this is going to be the most paradoxical advice ever. But <laughs> as you start in a new church with change, go slow and yet don't go slow. This, I feel like this is one of the trickiest things. Is be slow to make promises. Yeah. Too. Oh, oh, let's talk, let's talk about, about that, that in a second. But so what I'm saying here about change, like this idea of, going slow and being careful to make the right kinds of changes. The program probably doesn't need to change day one. There's probably a decent program in place that you can work with, but there may be other things that do need to change, like a security issue or a safety issue. You know, those things, those need to be taken care of. Maybe there's a policy that is not in place that needs to be in place. And looking at those sorts of things and saying, okay, this is a change we have to make. And other changes you can say, okay, that I can put on the back burner and say, we're going to paint later on. We don't need to paint today. You know, that's something that can wait. And looking at those changes and really prioritizing them. I think, Sarah, what tell us more about promises, because I think this is something that's it's really easy to fall into yes. as you come into a new church, and it's something that can be kind of destructive, too. Well, yeah, I think it, it can be really, um, like, you want people to like you, and when you're in a new place, depending on your personality type, you know, it can be... It can be challenging to like, as you're talking to people, to really know what the real story is, especially Oof. especially if they're like presenting like, here is the five things that must change now. <laughs> I'm so glad you're here. Now here's all my agenda items. <laughs> um, so you know, I think um, listening and saying, you know, thank you for sharing these things with me. I'll take them under advisement. I'll think about it. Like, you know, whatever you can do to say, like, I hear you and like that this sounds challenging, but not saying like, I am going to do what you want. Like, I think that that is a trap. Do not fall into it because you don't, again, you're so new. You do not know the whole story. You don't know the history. You don't know that volunteer yet and why this might be their pet thing or the thing that they just really think you need to do. So, um, Again, discernment is a process, um, so, you know, giving yourself time to think and to hear other voices is really 
a good practice um, when you're when you're first getting started. I think the thing to do when you're coming into a new church too is spend time in prayer. Like really, mm. and I know you know some people might think, oh well, of course, but for real. Take the time to start praying for the families in your church, to pray for the volunteers in your church, to pray for the ministry team in your church, and think through, like, you know, I'm, I'm going to spend time praying. God, what do you want to see happen in this ministry? What do you want us to be doing and focusing on? And spending that time in prayer is so crucial. And then I would also say, like, spend time starting to encourage your volunteers. Mm. Recognize the things that you're seeing in your volunteers you're working with now and encourage them and tell them, write them notes, say, you know, say positive things that you see the happening in the ministry. Tell them because I think that's something that we all don't hear enough of is encouragement and being encouraged in the things we're doing well and not always focusing on, oh, well, we need to fix this, well, we got to fix that, well, we got to fix this. You know, if we focus on all the things that need to be fixed, like people are going to kind of get a little more weary instead of if we're spending time also encouraging people and giving them that feedback that's so crucial and helpful that's positive, you know, and praying for them. I think that's just something that we need to do more of as children's ministers, praying for the families, praying for the leaders, praying for the volunteers, spending that time in prayer is so crucial. I always talk to kids, and before we talk to them, I always say it's always good before we talk about God to talk to God. And I think that idea of starting with prayer, starting right there and saying, okay, I'm going to spend some time talking to God and spend time seeking God's will for this ministry. I think that's one of the best things that you can do as you come into a new church. So... You know, if you're in a new church or heading to a new one, or even if you've been at your church for a while, maybe you've got some new energy and some focused ways that you can start engaging at the church that you're going into, or maybe you're prepping for, you know, a ministry transition yourself. And so I hope this has been encouraging to you as you step into those new roles that you're going to be moving into. You know, if you like what you've been hearing, leave us a review on your favorite podcast streaming platform. You can also find us on Instagram for set photos and more ideas at The Kidman Creatives. The Kidman Creatives is a podcast hosted by Sean and Sarah Stevenson. Scripture quotations are taken from the Holy Bible, New Living Translation, copyright 1996-2004-2015 by Tyndale House Foundation. Used by permission of Tyndale House Publishers, Inc., Carroll Stream, Illinois, 60188. All rights reserved. Well, until next time. Bye! Bye.